0: Mark Twain once said, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. You know, many times when we when we think of fathers, many times it's... Uh, Let's be honest, it's just an overwhelming responsibility. Many times when we think of fathers, when we, when we think of this, when we think of that, there's, there's so much that a mother offers. It's like, you know what, sometimes we need dad, sometimes we don't. You know, we, we need dad when, you know, when, when mom doesn't say yes, All right? I'm going to go to dad and maybe he'll say yes. Any, any kids, amen to that, all right? This morning uh, we're going to be taking just just a few minutes. When I say just a few minutes, I really mean just a few minutes because uh, we want to leave some time this morning as we just uh, just remember God the Father as we take the Lord's Supper together. But uh, if you have got your Bibles with you, I want you to. We're going to be in two very short passages this morning. Uh, one is Ephesians chapter six verse four, uh, and the other is going to be Colossians chapter three. Uh, verse twenty one and if you don 't have a Bible, there should be one close to you uh, the The passage will also be on the screen here uh, in just a moment but uh, but this morning I really my heart um, I kind of had a hard time kind of studying for this. I think I tweaked this sermon about twenty seven different times and even this morning and I mean, what do we talk about on Father's Day? Because it seems like on Mother's Day, man, it's just a a huge celebration. Father's Day, like, get your act together, okay? Be the man that you should be, all right? And my desire this morning is is not to beat us down because I'm a father. I am knee-deep in fatherhood. And my desire is is to encourage us through the Word of God. Uh, My my desire is is for, for us to maybe be reminded of our roles as fathers as it pertains to God's Word. Because God's Word must be the standard in which we make decisions, how we live our lives, how we love our wives, how we raise our children, how we do everything. The Word of God, I am so thankful, is there, it's established, it is good. There is no wrong that we can look to that as a, as a father who was perfect in God Himself and desire to be Desire to grow in Christ in such a way that we reflect that. And what an honor that is as fathers this morning. So Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. We're going to read that one real quickly. It's a real long verse. all right. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction Of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, along the same lines here. Fathers, once again, do not provoke your children, or they will be, or they will become discouraged. Now now before we dive into this, I want to stop just for a moment and I want to talk specifically about the fatherhood of God. I love that Jesus teaches us in in Matthew chapter 6 and in so many other places that that we can call God our father. Many of you know the verse Matthew 6, 9. Father, which out in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's it's holy is your name that, that Jesus, that God desires for us to have a relationship that we can call him, as scripture says, of a father. Someone we can look to. Listen to this men, women, boys, and girls. A Father that we can look to that will never let us down. That will never lead us astray. That will never do anything to harm us. That will never do anything to try to tear us down. And I love this because God's Word time and time and time again talks about a loving Father that desires to be a part of our lives And His desire is to be a part of our lives in such a way that our lives can reflect Him even as we are fathers here on earth with our kids and all the the turmoil sometimes, let's be honest, that comes along with that, all the happy times, all the good times, all the bad times, all the ups and all the downs that God has given us, a standard that we can live our lives and for many of us this morning that we can cling to because when we think of the word fatherhood, something Good does not come out. Let's not be naive this morning to think that when we all think of the word Father, it's something good. It's always something great because some of us have been hurt, some of us have been wounded, some of us have been abandoned by our earthly fathers. And so, God this morning wants to encourage us and challenge us through His Word. And I believe that God. And the way he lives his life has patterned for us earthly fathers, a way that we can father as well. And another reason I wanted to begin with the fatherhood of God is to give this message relevance for everyone in the room, because some of you right now are like, "I'm not a father, I'm already thinking about lunch. Anybody who want to be honest, all right? I'm kind of hungry. I miss breakfast at the relevance that God can be all of our fathers. And I want to make clear from the outset that the sadness many may feel at never having had a father like the father we will describe here in just a minute, and the sadness of others may feel at never having been a father like the father I will describe That sadness can be swallowed up and overcome with joy this morning because God offers His fatherhood to anyone who will accept the gift of adoption by trusting Christ and yielding to be led by the Holy Spirit. And that's something to celebrate even in itself this morning. That God, you are good and your love endures forever. So let's take just a moment just to break this down. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, Colossians chapter 3 verse 21, it uses the word do not provoke to anger, do not provoke to discouragement. Now James chapter 1 verse 19, it talks about anger. There's many places in Scripture where it talks about anger. And I know that we all understand very well the pitfalls of anger We have all done something and things in our lives we regret when we were angry. We all understand the destruction that can take place when we allow anger to fill our hearts. We've all experienced that. No one has not experienced either taking the brunt of that or giving that upon someone else. And so James chapter 1, it it speaks of in chapter 19, I'm sorry, in chapter 1 verse 19 and 20, it says, Be slow to become angry. Be very careful that you do not allow anger to overtake you because anger can do destruction in people's lives. And it goes on to say, Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Maybe this morning, anger fills your heart. Maybe this morning, anger fills your mind. Maybe this morning, anger has gotten you to a point where you're feeling hopeless. And and I love the scripture here. It says, fathers... Don't get to the point in your life where anger controls you in such a way that that is the one thing you're handing off to your children. It says, don't provoke them to become angry. Don't provoke them to do these things because the outcome will not be good for you or for the children that God has entrusted us to lead I know many times when we look at God's word, we think of it as don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And you're like, okay, all right, I get it. So what should I do? All right, you're telling me I shouldn't do this, so so what should I do? You see, the opposite of discouragement is being hopeful. The opposite of discouragement is being happy. The opposite of discouragement is being confident, and I don't think there's any man, I don't think there's any father who would say, you know what, like I really have no desire for my kid to be hopeful, like I really have no desire for my kid to be happy, I really have, I have no desire whatsoever for for my kid to be confident in his life, now I think everyone understands that. And I think even as a, as a worldly perspective, we would be like, yes, I, I, I agree with that. I, my desire is for, for my kids, for my children to have all of these things. And I think if we just left it just as that, we would be missing out on what Paul is really trying to get here about what it means to be hopeful. You see, Paul's teaching makes it clear not only here in Ephesians and Colossians, but all over Scripture. And when he says we should be fathers who give hope instead of discouragement, he means hope in God. Not hope in money. Not hope in popularity. Not hope in education. Not hope in a spouse. Not hope in a a professional success. There's nothing wrong with those things. He means be the kind of father who do not discourage your children but rather fill them with the hope of God. It's amazing how quickly, maybe this maybe just in my life, how quickly God can and will teach me that hoping in anything other than himself brings me emptiness in my life. Anybody been there before? Anybody had some maybe some stories? As I look over my life, there's been so many things in my life that I've, that I've hoped for, for my life. And, and it seems to always leave me empty. It always seems to leave me futile. And as I became a father, things change, don't they? When you become a parent, you kind of see things differently. Like you kind of have to grow up, or you should, okay? And, you know, it's not just our life now. Now it's like, you know, what do I do I don't know what I'm doing here. And there's times in my life where I ask those questions. Like, man, I, I want to be this kind of father, but, but in reality, I'm really this kind of father. And as I look on my life, I can go back, and there's some things that I would change. There's some things that I'm working through even right now, even in my own heart, that I feel like I'm missing out and stealing in my kids you think, man, you must have an incredible time with God with your kids. Do y'all, do y'all go home as a pastor and just study God's Word like eight hours a day? You know, do, do your kids know like the entire Bible and they could quote it and they can they can do all of these things. They've led all these, all their classmates to Christ and all of those. My desire, yes, but there's times. I gotta be honest with you. I miss out on those moments. I miss out on those moments and When we start doing that enough, we start having regrets in our lives. Because I know as I grew up, I had so many aspirations, the things that I wanted to do, and it's amazing how God changes your heart, and and it's not the exact same things that you wanted that you want for your kids. I love how God grows us in that way. There's been times in my life where there's nothing I just wanted to make a name for myself. I wanted to get enough money where I could just be self sufficient. I wanted people to like me. I I wanted to act like everything was okay, you know, so I post all these things. You know what I'm talking about, all right? We've been there. We've done that before. but But in reality, we're hurting and we're dying inside. We're starving inside. And God says, let me fill you so that you can be the man of God that I want you to be and that you can leave a legacy with your kids no matter what you came from. God has the power to change and to transform and to go another direction so you can empower your kids with the hope of God in their lives. Instill hope and not discouragement. Fill them with the hope of God. And when we consider happiness as the, the opposite of Discouragement. Paul would not be content if, if a father simply made his child feel good by giving him whatever he wanted. Alright, some of us have tried that before, okay? Like I'm just gonna I'll give you whatever you want just, just behave. Alright, anybody been there before? Walmart shopping line, anyway, you know what I mean? I mean, come on. Some of you are like, actually last night, you know what I mean? Like I rewarded my kid, because anyway. There is a happiness that will destroy. That would be to spoil your child with a a temporal happiness. That's kind of like the lollipop behavior, all right? Rather than than taking the time to to instill in them the things of God, taking the time to, to instill and instruct them and to discipline them in a way that honors God, we just give them a lollipop. It makes him happy for a little while. But the next thing you know, you're on Amazon Prime and you've got those subscriptions coming of lollipops like every month. I need boxes of them because I've got to keep them happy. I've got to keep them spoiled because otherwise, and God says, wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. I don't deal with you that way. Yeah, there's going to be times where life is going to be rough and and, and we need to have a heart-to-heart. There's going to be times in your life where where you need to sit before me and just let me just pour into you. There's going to be times where I, I need to come into your life and convict you of the decisions that you're making or the path that you're taking. May God doesn't just say, hey, good luck with that. And that's what I love about God's Word is we're not alone in this. Some of you are like, I don't know what I'm doing. Get in God's Word. Get in God's Word. And when we consider confidence as the opposite of discouragement, you see, the world says don't discourage a child, build up his self confidence. Another big thing now, give him a trophy. Everybody. Don't, this is what scripture says, don't discourage a child, build up his confidence in God. It's a big difference there. In fact, the scripture is is more precise than, than that it teaches. Don't discourage a child, but do your best to root out his self-confidence and replace it with confidence in God. And when it teaches us to root out self-confidence, it means root out the desire to be and to appear self-confident. That word self-confident, actually, it can be described as someone who's proud. Now, now of course, of course we want our kids to be proud. I mean, that's not not what it's talking about here. Because that would be kind of a Discouragement here of discouragement and then all of these things. James chapter four, verse six, it says this that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. This is where I've had a hard time as a father. Because I want my kids to achieve a lot of things. Anybody else with me? I do. I want my kids to be the best at that. I want my kids to be in the honor roll. I want my kids to be the fastest. I want them to. And it's a constant wrestling battle. What exactly am I chasing after for my kids? What exactly am I instilling? Instilling into my kids. You see, because I think this message is going to step on a lot of toes this morning, possibly. Because we have to ask the question, what is exactly our hope for them? Because our action speaks a lot louder than our words many times. Our lives speak so much louder than our words sometimes. Our kids learn from from our response. What's important to you is going to be important to your kids. I pray that God would bring humility into the lives of my kids. Because I gotta be honest, we, we we deal with this all the time. Maybe you do as well. Maybe my kids are just in that age. Like, hey, it's not really all about you. Kids are really good at that. Anybody else? Hey, 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 be careful how you respond to that. Are you are you are you doing this to make yourself look good or are you really caring about others around? We're, we're having these conversations like every day with my kids. A good father will ponder, how can I be like my own heavenly father? How can I be the kind of father whose children do not lose heart or become spiritless or or discouraged, but are filled with hope in God and happiness in God and confidence in God and courage to attempt great things for the glory of God? Scripture says fathers do not... Provoke. Now, this this word provoke here, it can be described many different ways. Uh, to be annoyed, angry, enraged, irritate, infuriate, exasperate, uh, to madden some of you are like, man, I love, I get my kids roused. All right, like, I love pushing their buttons, okay? And we can have fun with it. I, I'm, that's, that's, that's what Paul's talking about here. If you look back at Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, just right before that, it says this, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Now that's pretty interesting there because that puts huge responsibility. Some of the kids are like, "Uh uh-uh. That puts huge responsibility on the parents. That gives parents a tremendous authority and responsibility under God because it says here that children are to do what parents say. And it says it it, it pleases the Lord when when they obey in that way. So what Paul is saying here in in verse 21 is, is do not abuse the power that's been given to you. Because this is a great and an amazing responsibility that we have, and don't abuse those things. Because if done in a manner that honors God, man, this pleases me. This pleases me. Maybe some of us aren't so good about this. I've messed up many times in this area. Maybe we play favorites. Maybe we have unrealistic expectations. Maybe we try to relive our own childhood through our kids. Maybe we have constant discouragement in their lives. Maybe we label them as a nuisance. Maybe we use love as a reward or a punishment. It's amazing the influence a father has on a child. Statistics. I was reading through them this week. It was absolutely amazing, at the same time heartbreaking. The absence of a a father, not only from the home, but actually playing out his God-given duties within the home and how it affects the family, how it affects the kids. And, and I want to keep going back to that God can be our Father. That God can fill that void and, and maybe that's where you are. Maybe there's, there's pain and there's hurt that God desires to be the Father to be that hope in our lives, if we give our life and surrender our lives to Him. And I can promise you this, He will be immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. He will be so much better than I will ever be for my kids. I cannot give my kids what God can give my kids. And so God's desire is, yes, I want you to, I want you to be, I've put you in that position, but just remember to keep pointing them to me. Keep pointing them to me. Keep pointing them to me. Father, he's not looking for, for perfection. I am by far a perfect father. I mess up all the time. But in his grace and in his love, his desire is to continue to use us right where he has us. He says to have consistent instruction of the Lord. Let me, let me bring this home just a little bit. This will be our last piece here. Many of us have given instruction maybe to our little ones, maybe uh, any baseball fans, maybe football fans, maybe we love to fish. Now, if you're a father who wants to invest, if you're a parent that wants to invest, you're going you're to spend some time. Maybe the baseball, you're going to get some gloves, and you're, you're going to go in the back. You're just going gonna to toss, and maybe you're, your kid's throwing it underhand. No, you need to throw it overhand, and there's just going to be some instruction taking place. Maybe with football, you're going to show them how to put their fingers on the laces here, or you're going to show them how to kick the ball, or, or maybe tackle, or whatever the situation is. Maybe you're, you're going out fishing. You're not like, all right, kid, here's the pole. Good luck with that. Good luck getting that bait on. No, gonna, there's going to be some instruction there. You're going to help them and you're going to guide them so that they know what the purpose of what they're doing. Now now there's going to be no father who's going to be like, you know what, Um, I know this is basketball, but we're, we're we're going to play tackle basketball, okay? No. Although that would be kind of fun to watch for a little bit, okay, until they get ejected. Or there's going to be no father who's going to take their, their son or daughter to go fishing and be like, hey, you know, I heard. Like, if you put a huge rock on the end of this thing, you can take, catch a massive fish. Yeah, I know your line goes straight to the bottom, but man, fish love rock. No! Some of really had not thought about that. There, there's, there's going to be instruction. And, and that's what God says here for us to raise our kids in the ways of God, who's going to teach him that? Who, who's going to live that out for them to see? Maybe some of us have, have been to the point where you know what? I know church is not that important to me. I know that God is important to me, but um, I really desire that for my kids. So, kids, man, just I'll just drop you off. Maybe maybe, maybe they can do something for you. Maybe they can teach you. And what an incredible, what an awesome responsibility that we have to leave a legacy, a lasting legacy, something that will give them hope. Something that will fill their hearts. Something that, when they become fathers, when when they're hurt, when they're in despair. I mean, it's not one of those things where, man, I'm. These things are good, but they're going to be fleeting. I no longer play tackle football. I'm paying the price for playing tackle football. I no longer do these things. Yeah, they're fine and and there's these things but they're always fleeting and they always leave us either injured, hurt, or empty. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up. I want to read a story to you as they're coming. Just a simple act of Instructing our kids in the Lord. I know many times when we think about this, it becomes so overwhelming. I just want to just read this story, I man. It's just an awesome story. Just, I hope it just encourages you. It says, One man said of his father, Once when I was a teenager, my father and I were standing in the line to buy tickets for the circus. Finally, there was only one family between us and the ticket counter. The family made a big impression on me. There were eight children, all probably under the age of 12. You could tell they didn't have a lot of money. Their clothes were not expensive, but they were clean. The children were well-behaved, and all of them standing in line, two by two, behind their parents, holding hands. They They were excitingly jabbering about the clowns and the elephants and the other acts they would see that night. One can sense they have never been to a circus before. It promised to be a highlight of their young lives. The father and mother were at the head of the pack, standing proud as could be. The mother was holding her husband's hand, looking up at him as if it said, You're my knight in shining armor. He was smiling and, and basking in pride looking at her. The ticket lady asked the father how many tickets he wanted. He proudly said, Please let me buy eight children's tickets and two adults so I can take my family to the circus. The ticket lady quoted the price. The man's wife let go of his hand. Her head dropped and the man's lip began to quiver. The father leaned a little closer and asked, How much did you say? The ticket lady again quoted the price. The man didn't have enough money. How was he supposed to turn and tell his eight kids that he didn't have enough money to take them to the circus? Seeing what was going on, my dad put his hand in his pocket pulled out a $20 bill, and dropped it on the ground. And we were not wealthy in any sense of the word. My father reached down, picked up the bill, tapped the man on the shoulder, and said, Excuse me, sir, I believe this fell out of your pocket. The man knew what was going on. He wasn't begging for a handout, but certainly appreciated the help in a desperate, heartbreaking, embarrassing situation. He looked straight into my dad's eyes, took my dad's hand and and both of his squeezed tightly onto the $20 bill and with quivering lips and a tear streaming down his cheek replied, Thank you, thank you. This really means a lot to me and my family. The man telling the story about his father said, My father and I went back to our car and we drove home. We didn't go to the circus that night but we didn't go without. He went on to say, what a father that man was in my life. What a godly illustration of Christ the man said about his father. So here's my desire for you, man. I need help. You need help. And my desire for us is that we could, we could team up together to spur one another on. I know there are, there are men in this room, and they have, they have been through it, and they have, God has given them wisdom, and they have walked down that path, and my desire is that some of us who still need some help, and I, my desire is that some of us still need some, some help and some wisdom, that we could, we could somehow team up, and that we could, we could meet together, and we could do life together. And That's my desire, is that we could spur one another on, and so here's my challenge to you as we close our time together. Maybe your desire is, is to be the man of God that Scripture talks about. And you're asking the questions, of how? I want you to look around the room just for a minute. Is there anybody here that you say, you know what, I man, I've, I've watched that guy. There's something about him. I've seen the way that he treats his wife. I've seen the way that he acts with his kids. And man, I I think I can learn something from him. I know men are not much about asking for help. Amen. We never ask for help. But we like to ask, hey, let's go eat something. I, I would I would encourage you. Here, here's, my, here's my challenge to you men. Start thinking, start praying that God, maybe you don't have someone in mind. Start praying specifically, God, send one man, send two men that can help me run this race, that can help me be the kind of father, be the kind of friend, be the kind of husband, be the kind of coworker that I need to be. God never desired for us to do it alone. So maybe this morning you, you know of someone. I want to encourage you, maybe before this service is even over, that you would go to them and say, hey, can we do lunch sometime? Can we just get together sometime? I just, I just want to talk with you.